are in the book of the Psalms. In the book of the Psalms. Do you remember which Psalm we're in? Don't have to go far. Remember which Psalm we're studying? Number one. If you find the book of the Psalms, just, just get to the first Psalm. Psalm 1. Amen. And when you have it, say amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Psalm 1, verse number 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall wither, or shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So we are studying and talking about the blessed man. The blessed man. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. So we are, uh, we have been going the last few weeks in this, uh, this one, uh, it's always tempting to call it a chapter, but in this one psalm, in these six verses that we have we're talking about the blessed man and we know that the blessed man right away in verse number one has made some choices in his life right he's made some choices in his life and and again just to reiterate that when i'm talking about the blessed man and i'm referring to he we're talking about humanity in general everybody with me all right so uh, the blessed man has made some choices, choices about who he is uh, going to surround himself with, uh, uh, who are the people among whom he will fellowship, uh, who are the people who will influence his life. And so the blessed man chooses to not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, to not walk in the counsel of of the ungodly and so he's not letting somebody who is who is not saved he's not letting sinners uh, he's not letting the worldly he's not letting the carnal direct his steps amen uh, we are in a generation that that even our speech is trying to be dictated to uh, of what we can say and 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 what we, you know, the, the, the things that we can speak in our own lives. Uh, preachers uh, are, are having to try to be a little bit more careful. Uh, and I'll just tell you, I'm not. <laughs> but, but, but many preachers are, are, are stumbling over themselves trying to watch their words so as not to offend when calling sin, sin. And so, so those things are having an effect. They are influencing people in our generation. And so the, the blessed man chooses not to walk or be directed or influenced by 
the ungodly. He doesn't allow them to direct his steps. Amen. We don't understand this from the scripture that the steps of a good man, a righteous man, are ordered of the Lord. Praise God. And so, so we don't want to be under the influence of the ungodly because if that is so, then we will be lost. We will not be walking in the way that God is calling us unto. Remember, it's all about influence. It's all about influence. Who will you give heed or pay heed to? So the blessed man chooses. He's make cho making choices not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor is he choosing to stand in the way of the sinners. That, that transition that we've talked about from motion, from moving in a direction. Now he's uh, the, the blessed man, or the, the, the unblessed man <laughs> is, is, is not moving. He's, he's standing in the way. He has ceased. He has stopped where he is. In other words, he's dwelling in the place, amen, of uh, the sinners. And so that is uh, the, the word in the, in the Hebrew that we talked about is uh, the name of one of our saints of God most high, uh, Derek. That is the Hebrew word uh, for <laughs> standing in the way. The word way is Derek. Um, and so uh, the, the blessed man chooses not to stand in the way of the sinners. So that is uh, the, among the journey of the sinful. Praise God. I don't want to go that way. I don't want to be on that path. Hallelujah. We understand the scripture tells us that there is a way that seems right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. So God is calling us to walk in his way. Amen. To move in his path. And so the blessed man chooses. And we have to understand that these things are choices. The blessed man chooses not to uh, walk in the counsel of the ungodly nor stand in the way of sinners, nor does he choose to sit in the seat of the scornful. Again, we see a transition. Now, not only is there not motion, uh, but now you know, the, he moves from uh, standing in the way of the sinners. Now he's sitting. sitting so there's, there's now a, a, an abode. There's an abiding. There's a dwelling in the place of the scornful. Scornful are the mockers. Uh, they're, they're mocking or scorning uh, the ways and the things of God. And we have to be careful because we, we would say at this point in, in time, at least I hope that all of us would, we would say, I would never do that. But the psalmist gives the illustration in just this first verse of what sin will do, of what ungodly influence will do. What you never thought you could do or would do, that's what sin will cause you to do. And as someone once said, it's, it's usually a slow fade. You usually don't see it happening in such a stark moment. It's usually a slow fade to those things. Amen. And so uh, we went from there and we talked last week about the difference maker what makes the difference you remember what makes the difference for the blessed man he delights in the law of the Lord his delight 
in verse number two is in the law of the Lord. That's what the blessed man does. He delights in the law of the Lord. That means to take pleasure in. Take pleasure in the law of the Lord. That solidifies value. And so uh, that is where we ended up in uh, Psalm 119. Uh, remember we read just a, a stanza there in Psalm 119. You remember in each of those stanzas that you will see the, the, the word of the Lord mentioned at least once in each stanza. And that word of the Lord will be referred to as your word, your commandments, your precepts, your law, your... Uh, and there's, there's multiple references, judgments. So we read in, in that one stanza, verses, Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16, one stanza, each verse made reference to the word of the Lord. And so what, we're, what we were ended last week with is that the blessed man delights in the law, in the word of God. And so that's where we pick up tonight for the next few minutes is talking about the law of the Lord. So what is this that we are, as a blessed man, if we want to be the blessed man, what is this law that we are supposed to delight in? Amen. Anybody like to have fun? Anybody like to smile? Anybody like to, to have joy in your life? Yeah. Unfortunately, too many people are motivated by, by fear by worry, that's what gets them moving. They don't want to lose something. They don't, but, but there are many people in life that are motivated by goodness. They want to accomplish something. They, they, they take joy in something, and so they want to do more of that. Folks, I'd love to quit my job and focus on, on the, the work of the Lord because I take joy in it. <laughs> so take she delights in in reading and, and so it'd be nice to just do that right all day long <laughs> uh, we'll have to talk to everybody else about that <laughs> amen it, it'd be nice that you that's where where many in our world they, they talk about following your passion now that that that, that needs to be balanced off with other things as far as be, just being responsible. But, but it would be so nice just to be able to do what we enjoy. Well, the blessed man, rather than following or being influenced by uh, the, 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 the sinners, by the ungodly, by the scornful, he delights in. He ch he's made choices to avoid those those ways to avoid those paths and he's made a choice to delight in the law of the Lord amen so when when the scripture especially in the Old Testament refers to the law the law of the Lord the law is referring to what's called the Torah the Torah are the first five books of the Old Testament somebody just name the first five books of the Old Testament Good. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay, that's, that's the books of the law. Okay, it's in those books that you see uh, when you read in Exodus that God 
pulls Moses up to uh, the mountain and gives him uh, the commandments. In fact, Exodus 24, uh, verse 12, uh, the Lord said unto Moses, Come up unto me into the mount and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written that you may teach them. Okay? So, so God calls Moses up to this place and gives him the law. Another way that we would put it in our day, he laid down the law. And so, so God gave that to Moses up on the mountain. Now, as we read in Psalm 119 and in other verses, we find other words that are used to describe the word of God. So we, we, we read the law, we read precepts, commandments, statutes, things like that, that all, they're not necessarily all referring to the Torah, but they can com, uh, uh, include other communications regarding the will and the work of God. Things like the oral law, how, how the word of God was, was uh, uh, carried forward from the time of Adam up until Moses. It was done orally. They spoke of the ways and the things of God. Now, when we talk about the law of God, and, and we are spending our evening tonight on this, we talk about the law of God, the word of God. You're going to hear me go back and forth referencing. For us, it, the application is the same. So we, when we hear that reference, talking about the law of the Lord, we must understand that the word of God is authored by God himself. It's authored by God himself. That verse that I just read in Exodus 34 verse, or 24, verse 12, God said that I will give you tables of stone, a law, and commandments. And what did he say? That I have written. Isn't that awesome? Moses is up there and he, he gets these, these, this law, these tables of stone written by the hand of God. And that law is what makes up those first five books after Exodus. Exodus, and then you got Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now you get some history thrown in there as well. But that's what Moses received at the hand of God. God authored the law. But throughout the Scripture, because we understand the Scripture didn't stop with, with Deuteronomy, because there's so much more that happens. There's the history of Israel. And in the history of Israel are, are involved the prophets of God. And the prophets of God spoke as God moved on them, as God gave them the word to speak. And Peter writes in the New Testament, looking back through, through the Scripture, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, he says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 
Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Men like Jeremiah, men like Ezekiel, men like Isaiah, Habakkuk and Zephaniah, each of those guys, the major and the minor prophets alike, speaking the word of God. It's no different than the law because it's coming from the Lord. It's His will. It's His directive, His command. And those men spake as God moved on them to give those people of their time the word of the Lord. Why? Because they were doing wrong. They needed to correct their living. They needed to walk in righteousness. They were not living as the blessed man. And so they spake. And the awesome thing about it is, is that uh, they, they didn't just speak how do I know that? Because we've got books that they wrote down as well. God at points telling them, Jeremiah, you need to write this down. Habakkuk, you need to write this down. And so they would write down the visions. They would write down the prophecies. And we have them as part of our Bible today. Isn't that cool? And they did that under the unction of God, under the unction of the Holy Ghost, being moved by the Holy Ghost. Paul wrote to Timothy uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He said, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. But notice the first part of that. All Scripture, everybody say all Scripture. All Scripture is uh, given by inspiration of God. And that word inspiration literally means God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. And because of that, it is profitable. Doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture is God-breathed. Amen. And because of that, we know that in him is no fault. There is no shadow of turning. There's no, no uh, error in God. And if that is the case, then that means that in his word, there also is no error. His word is what, what some would call uh, infallible. Folks, that's not like us. We are fallible. We can fall. We can fail. We have. I don't care, uh, if, even if you're Catholic, the Pope is not infallible. They like to say he is, but he's a man just like us. But God's Word is infallible. Psalm 12, verse 6, the, the writer says that the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of, of, furnace of earth purified seven times. In Psalm 19, verse 7, the psalmist says the law of the Lord is perfect. Now that word perfect, we know that there's multiple meanings and every one of them applies. 
The law of the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony, there's another word that you can use or substitute for the word of God. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Another word here. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Another word here. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. One of the most, if, if well, I'll even say it's probably the most important part of when somebody comes to the Lord and continues to serve God is that you must believe that the Word of God is true. You must have faith to believe that the Word of God is right, that there's no error, that there's no, there's no uh, uh, conflict found within the Scripture. If we don't have faith in, in the Word of God that it's right, or, or if, if we think that there's errors, then what are we doing? If there's errors in this book, what are we doing? Why are we living by this thing? You usually hear pastor talk like that. I talk like that because I know that there's no error in this, in this book. This book is infallible. This book is right. This book is true. And this is indeed the Word of God. That's why we live by it. Because you pick any other book up from any other person in this world, that person is a fallible person. And they're writing from a fallible perspective you say but pastor what about all the writers of the books of the, of the Bible yeah they're fallible too but that's why it's important to understand that God is the one that authored it God's the one moving on them yes you'll get to see their personalities come through in the writing but they're speaking or, or moving or, or, or declaring the word of the Lord as God speaks through them There's going to be people that are going to challenge you. They're going to put your faith to the test. They're going to come at you with different things of, regarding the Word of God. What about this and what about that? And that's okay. You need to have your faith challenged. But you need to rest assured and have faith in, just because you don't have the answer right now, you can get the answers. Just because you don't know it, folks, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know. And I'm not just talking about the Bible. We don't stop living just because we don't know everything. And so neither do we stop living for God just because we don't know everything. Sorry, I'm being a little more pastoral tonight, having a little fun teaching this. The Word of God is without error. And because of that, not only does it give us the right way to live, but it gives us the way of salvation. 
How are we to be saved? In John 17, verse 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples. And we're going to revisit this again in just a little bit, but I want to read this one verse. Jesus was praying for his disciples. And in his prayer, he says, Sanctify them. He's talking about his disciples. Sanctify them through thy truth. What does he say? Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. The world is going to challenge that thought. When you continue to read in the book of John, and Jesus is standing before Pilate, and as he's, as Pilate is questioning him, and Jesus is not saying a whole lot, but he's, he does say this. He says, that I've, I've come to bear witness of the truth. And what was Pilate's response? What is truth? The world has no idea what truth is. I would, you know, there used to be a thing, uh, just the church made a big deal of it, and, and rightfully so, where, where our society was, everything was becoming relative. Not like your relatives that, that you live with, but they were all, be, everything was becoming relative. Truth was relative. It, it was adjusted according to the situations. Anybody remember when that really started on the, on the incline? It was probably around the, uh, around the 90s, 2000s. Really started to ramp up. Everything was relative. Truth was relative. But now, even that is not what the world is trying to do. Now even that is being subverted. You say, how do you get worse than that? They're trying, people are trying to deny that there is any truth. Forget it. Everybody just live and do what you want to. Unless you cross me. You've got to call me by my pronouns. Because your truth is different than my truth. So you have to live my truth. You have to live my delusions. You know what I'm talking about. All these issues that, that our, our society is dealing with, truth is not, even, is not even in the picture anymore. But for the Christian, it must. It is what is, has anchored us. The God that we serve, who is unchanging, His Word is also unchanging. His Word is given to us for our salvation. If we don't recognize that there is not only a truth, but that this is the truth, then how else will we be saved? Sanctify them through thy truth, Jesus prayed. Thy word is truth. Speaking of the church, in the book of Ephesians, Paul writes in chapter 5, verse 26, he talks about the church, uh, the, the church's relationship with Jesus, that, that Jesus, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, the church, with the washing of water by the word. It's how we're saved. It's how we're made clean. 
the word shows us the way to live it shows us the way of salvation it shows us the way to walk and this word this truth is unchanging it is enduring through all time psalm 119 verse 89 psalmist says forever O lord thy word is settled in heaven Jesus added to it, Luke chapter 21, verse 33. Thank you, you're keeping up with me. In Luke 21, verse 33, Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. You might remember a number of years ago, uh, we, we were doing the fireworks tent, and, and that, that Sunday morning, I had stayed the night in the fireworks tent that Saturday night. And, and so Sunday morning, I, I, I had to pack myself up once I, um, once my cover, whoever it was that came to, came to take over the tent that morning. Um, so I had packed my stuff up, put it in my truck, and, and among those things was my Bible. So I thought. I drove from the fireworks tent, which is down here on Stickney Point Road, up to where we lived at the church downtown 20 minutes 15 20 minutes on the road nobody honked at me nobody gave me any indication i had set my bible on the rail of the bed of the truck and it didn't move the whole ride this Bible right here. Thank God. Because I love my Bible. I've had this thing since I was 16. It's a long time. And I, I, I say that just simply because it illustrates that the, the, the Word of God is enduring and it's settled in heaven the world around and all the things that we go through in life are not going to jostle or change the word of God and because of this because the word is authored by God because the word has been brought down through generations as holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost as the word of God has been God-breathed, as the word is our salvation, and it's enduring, so the word is also powerful. How can a word be all of those things and not be powerful? The word of God is powerful. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. One of my favorite scriptures. Hopefully it's one of yours. The word of God is quick powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart it's powerful you heard me talk about it multiple times your heart is is encased it's protected it's got organs around 
It's got blood vessels around it. It's got bones. It's got a whole cage around it. And in order to get to the heart, you've got to cut past the flesh. You've got to cut past the, the blood vessels and the, and the, the muscles. And you've got to cut past the, the, the sinews, the, 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 the whatever, the, the cartilage. You've got to cut past the bone to get to the heart. Folks, the Word of God will get past all of your excuses. It'll get past all of your philosophies and your ways of thinking. Let me, let me change that up a little bit. It'll get past the, the, the ways of thinking and the excuses of the people that you're talking to. You know, I've had people tell me I use too much Scripture when I teach or preach. Thankfully, thankfully, it's only been, I've only heard it once. But if, I would rather let the Word of God speak. <laughs> I'm not that good of a speaker. God, He's the one, His Word can cut to the heart of the issue in a person's life. And if God does it, then it's done right then they haven't done it for a man. They haven't done it to fit in. They've done it because they want to be pleasing to God because God's word brought conviction just like it did in the book of Acts, just like it did for, for David when he was confronted by the prophet, just like it's done throughout the scripture. God's word is what brings the right response because it's powerful. Paul, in Ephesians 6, he, he, he likened the, the, the Word of God to the sword of the Spirit. When it's wielded properly, it will cut past all of the excuses. It'll get past all of your reasonings. Think about this for a minute. The Word of God is vital vital to our growth. If we're going to develop, to grow in the Lord, then we must have the Word of God. Not only to get past all of our excuses in that, but how do we learn? How do we know and understand what God wants for us in the different stages of our growth in Him by His Word just like any child would from their parents by their Word before kings ever came into existence in Israel there were kings other parts of the world and other nations around them. But before kings ever existed in Israel, God spoke to Moses in Deuteronomy 17, verse 18. Because God knew. Moses, I I'm sure he might have scratched his head if he thought about it. Like, God, why is this being included in here? But God knew that one day kings would come to the throne in Israel. In Deuteronomy 17, verse 18. It shall be 
when he, that's the ki a king in Israel, when he sits upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of the law in a book out of that which is before the priest, which is before the priest, the Levites. It shall be with him. He shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. Every king was to be given a copy of the law of God. When they ascended to the throne, they were to be given a copy of the law of the Lord, and they were to read it per God's instruction. They were to understand the commandments and the statutes so that they could judge rightly, that they could have the mind of God as they led their, led their people. And as I mentioned, when God gave Moses that in Deuteronomy, there were no kings in Israel. There were not even judges yet. Moses was still the leader. And then it would be Joshua. And then it would be the judges. And then it would be the kings. So generations before kings even existed in Israel, God gave Moses the instruction that when kings do come to the throne, they need to be given the word of the Lord. I told you I've had this, this Bible since I was 16. If I took it out of, out of the case, it would fall apart. But I've had this Bible since I was 16, and I remember what it felt like to open that box, to start diving in and reading and folks, I, I'm, I'm not the greatest with remembering uh, the, the specific chapter and verse of things. But I can tell you where on the page many of those verses are. It's in the left column about halfway down. Because I've gotten to know where many of those scriptures are through study, through reading. And that's what God wanted for the kings of Israel. And that's what God wants for each of us. As, as the psalmist wrote, wrote, David himself, he said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. I might not sin against thee. It's important for you to have your own Bible. I love technology, and, and I know some people are going to me old-fashioned you're gonna tell me I don't have to have physical Bible with paper and, and ink there's a big difference just so you know I know I'm old-fashioned there's a big difference between having to go to my iPad and pulling up scriptures on here than there is with this book I don't understand it so 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 understand me that I don't understand why it is like that but it is there's something about the physicality of flipping the pages of of highlighting and marking up your Bible and 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 making notes in it that 
that you become a part of it and it becomes a part of you. It's not something I'm going to demand of anybody. It's up to you. But think about all the kings of Israel. They were supposed to be given a copy. We need copies of our Bibles. We need to have this thing. You know, it is awesome that in our day and age, in our generation, that when we're away from our Bible, when we don't have our Bibles with us because this generation, and I'm included in this, we don't carry our Bibles with us everywhere we go. You do? <laughs> There's very few people that do anymore. <laughs> fits, in, fits in the purse. I don't carry a purse. <laughs> but some of you, if, if you've been serving God for many years, when you first got saved, you were probably carrying your Bible with you everywhere you went. And thankfully now, we don't have to have the, 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 the big bulky paper and, and ink. We've got multiple versions, hundreds of versions available just on these devices. We can even have it, have it re read to us on these things. And that's great in the moment, but when you, when you really want to dive in and develop and grow in that relationship with God, there's something about, and I, this is not in my notes, please forgive me, I'm, I'm, I'm relishing in the old-fashionedness of it. But there's something about it. The Word of God is vital to our growth. Paul told the young preacher Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. He told that young man, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. It's so important because if we're going to grow, then we've got to have proper nourishment. Word of God is food for our soul. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 1. God's giving Moses instruction. He says, all the commandments which I command you this day shall you observe to do. Folks, it's a good thing when we do what God tells us to do. <laughs> you need to do those things that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to prove you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or no. So, so you understand where they are at this point. They've been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. And now God is going to bring them into the promised land. He's humbled them. He's proved them. The generation that, that, that uh, uh, originally was, was on the edge of coming into the promised land, that generation's gone. Verse number 3. And he humbled you suffered you to hunger 
and he fed you with manna, which you knew not, neither did your fathers know. That's actually what manna means is what is it? But notice this. He did these things that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. You heard me quote the scripture last week. It's, it comes from Job uh, in 20, chapter 23, verse 12. He says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. And he tells his friends, he says, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. How many of you eat breakfast in the morning? Sometimes. Maybe you just grab a banana or something. How many of you drink your coffee in the morning? <laughs> let's let's put it let's put it in today's today's vernacular. I have esteemed his word more than my necessary coffee. We will reach for those things first. But I wonder sometimes if we're not missing the opportunities. Because the blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 16. He says, thy words were found, I did eat them. Your word was unto me joy and rejoicing in my heart, for I'm called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Your words were found, and I ate your words. <laughs> you understand what happens when you eat something? From the very moment that it enters your mouth, it starts being broken down, processed, so that it can become a part of who you are. Do you understand that that as you eat things, that, that when that process of breaking down is, has fully occurred, that it actually becomes part of the strength and nourishment to the very marrow of your bones. You can't get further inside of you than the marrow of your bones. Your bones, the marrow of your bones, generate the blood that flows through your body. Isn't that cool? So when you consume the Word of God, when you delight in the Word of God and you eat it, you take it in, it gets down to the very depth of who you are and it begins to generate life. It begins to generate life. 1 Peter 2, verse 2, he, Peter tells us as Newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The word of God is food for our soul. But the word of God didn't just stop at ink and paper. The word of God didn't just stop at prophecies. It didn't just stop with Moses and those tablets of stone. No, John tells us in chapter 1, verse 1, 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Wow, that's awesome. But John didn't stop there. Jump down to verse number 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, the Word of God. The blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. We have such a privilege that it's no longer just the ink and paper. It's no longer just the rhema. That's the Greek word for that, for the word. It's no longer just the rhema, the written word of God. Now it is the logos, the expressed word of God. And the expressed word of God was not just God saying, let there be light, and with his words creating. No, it, it was also that God would express himself by becoming flesh. We have more to delight in than what the psalmist understood when he wrote Psalm 1. Jesus, when Pharisees would confront him, in John chapter 5, verse 39, when others would, would uh, come against him, he looked at them, he said, search the scriptures. In them, you think you have eternal life. But look again. They are they which testify of me. Search Psalm 1. You think you're the blessed man. But it's testifying of me. <laughs> I want to take you back. I told you we were going to come back to this. I'm aware of the time. I'm, I'm trying to hurry to a conclusion. John 17, verse 17 go back to this verse where Jesus is praying for his disciples he knew the challenges the struggles that they were going to face without him there and so he says sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth as you have sent me into the world even so have I also sent them into the world and for their sakes, he's talking about the disciples, for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. And in the next verse, we get such a beautiful part of that prayer. He says, neither pray I for these alone. He's not just praying for those 12. But for them also which shall believe on me through their work. Folks, Jesus was praying for you. 
He was literally praying for you. Those who would believe on Jesus through the word of those disciples, through all the generations, 2,000 years, we now have this word. For the disciples, the word was revealed to them in flesh. We now have the word passed down through generations. Not only in spoken word where we understand, not only in, in relational word where we actually uh, are filled with the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Christ, but also His written word. What an amazing thing. So, we understand that we do the things that we delight in. We do the things that we Is my microphone cut out? Oh, there we go. Are you a blessed man tonight? Do you delight in the law of the Lord? But pastor, I don't understand the King James. <laughs> Anybody ever heard that or said that? You know, I like so-and-so's preaching. I'm not really a fan of that preacher's messages. Do you delight in the word of the Lord? If it's truth, does it really matter who's presenting it? God help us. I'm too tired. I'm going to get up late. I'm going to go to bed late. I'm not going to read my Bible. Would you say it like that? No. But do you live it like that? I, I delight in His Word. I, I need it more than my necessary coffee. I want you to think about that tomorrow morning when you get your cup of coffee. Have you read your Bible? <laughs> Do you like your paychecks? So you, you get up and go to work? You're going to do the things that you delight in. So let's stand together tonight. I'm going to end with this. Amen. The writer of Hebrews, he reaches back uh, into uh, the prophecy of Jeremiah. And in Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 10, the writer says that this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. He says, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Amen. That's 
from the prophecy of Jeremiah, but written again for our encouragement and admonishment by the writer of Hebrews, where God says, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. The blessed man, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Praise God. When you reach for your coffee in the morning, make sure your Bible is right there with you. Amen. We're not even halfway through verse number two. Praise God. There's more to come. But I, I sure want to be like the blessed man. I want to be the one who stands in and lives in truth. Who rejects the influence of the world. And seeks for, delights in the influence of the Word of God in my life. Amen. Lord, we thank you tonight. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for your law. Thank you for the examples. Thank you for the instructions. Thank you for the corrections, Lord. Thank you, God, for the righteous ways that we are shown to walk in through your Word. Thank you, God, for revealing who you are and your purpose and your will for our living. I pray, God, tonight, help us to be, to be and walk and, and live as the blessed man of Psalm 1, that we delight in your law, that we seek for and desire your word more than our necessary food. God, I pray, change us, change our thinking, change our living, God, as we purpose purpose to seek for you every day to walk with you every day and let your word Lord let it get down into the marrow of our bones and become part of who we are so that we can walk right live right talk right think right and simply be right God we pray that you're glorified in each of our lives as we give you praise tonight in Jesus name amen God bless you